Thank you, Gordon and Barbara, for our music this morning. Welcome to those of you joining us on live stream. This is Mother's Day, and we are gathered together here at church uh, for a celebration of that and also to look at God's Word and hear what He has to say about mothers. We're glad that you joined us today. I hope that you join us. We're actually starting in Genesis chapter 2 at the first... Uh, first mother that came along. Of course, that is Eve, and we'll start there. You know, Mother's Day, Father's Day, and, and now there's a Grandparents' Day, isn't there? And we've had those for a long time, although maybe uh, getting to be an old celebration these days, right? In the, in the wake of all of the wokeness of our culture, uh, it seems like uh, we'd hardly even want to use the terms mother, father, or grandparents. But the Bible does. Uh, it may be a misnomer to some. I know that there are tragic circumstances the, where uh, motherhood and, and marriage and the rest are broken and, and don't happen as you would like or as they should. But the Bible speaks highly of motherhood, speaks highly of marriage, speaks highly of children that come because of mothers. And we want to talk about that today. It's definitely a biblical subject. As we read these verses a few minutes ago from Genesis, uh, God starts out there before sin ever entered into the world and made the first mother and, uh, and the first father, of course, too. So we'll talk about it in that way. Do you remember the old program called Dragnet? Well, that, that uh, uh, ages you right there if you remember that. But I do remember this much about that, pro that program, that Sergeant Friday would investigate someone, and he would, all say, he would also always say, just the facts, ma'am. <laughs> just the facts, ma'am. Well, I, I don't think I have ever felt in the years that I've been preaching how much on this Mother's Day and maybe this Father's Day we need to say, just the facts, ma'am just the facts, what God's Word has to say about motherhood, fatherhood, children, and the rest. Today we, we speak of gender because to say mother is to say the female gender. Of course, we speak of gender as uh, what do you prefer, you know, <laughs> what is your choice? Well, the fact is uh, that God has assigned you a gender, whether you like the word assigned at birth or not. Actually, it's uh, assigned at conception. And we stumble over pronouns. I was, reading, uh, I was reading an article even today that we stumble over what pronouns to use. You know, I don't find God stumbles over that at all. In his inspired word, the, word, the way his Holy Spirit wrote it, uh, he uses gender, he uses pronouns just fine. So we have today cohabitation, and that is people live with a partner. As a matter of fact, they say that of all the people living as man and woman today, 10% in America today are not married. And that should not be, though it happens, and sometimes for bad reasons, sometimes not, but, but it happens. And also, uh, even motherhood today, 40% of the children that are born in America today are born without a father and mother in the home. That's a tragic amount when you think about it. 
So the Bible brings us back to the simplicity. The Bible brings us back to the basic truth as God has created it and as God has given it to us. Moms are our guardians. Yeah, dads, we are too in, in our own special way. Moms are in their own special way uh, as they have those children and they guard those children and raise those children. I want you to notice that in my outline, which you have on your bulletin or uh, you, have, you see on the screen, I, I couldn't get much more simple, much more plain than this, right? But I want to say it this way. A mother is a woman. And secondly, a mother is a daughter. And thirdly, a mother is a wife. And fourthly, believe it or not, a mother is a mother. Now, can I, can I find four more simple statements about motherhood than that? As I said, I, I feel the need to just come back to the basics in the day and age in which we live. And I think all of you mothers will appreciate that much, I'm sure. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18 begins, and I'm going to read these again. We read some of these verses a minute ago here in our service. But when we start to think about a mother is a woman, verse 18 says, that the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. So out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air, and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, to, the, to every beast of the field, but for Adam, there was not found, again, this term, a helper comparable to him, a help meet, a help that is meet to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made a woman and brought her to the man. Notice the pronouns. And God said, this is now bone, uh, or, uh, Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. So he says, she shall be called woman. What does that mean? Because she was taken out of man. So she's called a woman here. And when we go over to chapter 3, verse 20, later he will say, your name is going to be Eve. Adam names her Eve because he says she is the mother of all living. Now, when we read these things, folks, and we say that a woman is a woman, these are just the facts, ma'am. <laughs> these are just the facts as God made it and God revealed it. We have the facts in God's creation. That is, we have, we have the fact that this is what people are, this is how people are born, and it will never change. You can change it, mutilate it, doctor it up, whatever, but a person will always be born a woman or will always be born a man. That's, that's biology, that's creation. Not only that, it's revelation. In other words, this is what God says. There was only one witness there when the first person was made. And you know who that witness was? That was God. So I would like to hear from the witness who was there when he did it, and that's God. And God has told us what he did. So a mother is made a female. Is that is that news to any of us? I, I, evidently, it, it is to some. I don't make light of it. I'm just saying it's, it's a sad thing when we're confused about these things, when the Bible is so plain about it. 
It's the truth of biology. It's the truth of Scripture. So when that, when that moment of conception happens, then there are 46 chromosomes, and if they're both X, that's a female. You can't change it. You never will be able to change it. And if that's an XY, then that's a male, and it always, he always will be, and you can't change that. And the, the great thing about uh, that is that you have the body parts of a woman, or a man, of course. You even have, moms, a, a womanly instinct that is put into you as a woman that a man doesn't have, and a man has those that a woman doesn't have. God created it to be that way so that you would live together, a helper comparable to him, a complementarity, in other words, as they say. And not only the physical part, but there's a spiritual assignment here. As I say, God has assigned you this role, assigned you, and I'm speaking to mothers primarily right now, assigned you that female gender. Not only that, he has assigned you God's image. So every one of us are made in God's image. I'm a male. I'm, I'm a male in God's image. You're a female. You are a female in God's image. To try to change that, to try to say that it's a mistake, is an affront to the creator himself. Secondly, it is God's will. This is what God wants for you. This is the life God wants for you. This is what God wants you to be doing. And you are, before God, a steward of that gender because that male gender and that female gender has a certain thing to do in this life that God created you to do. And God wants you to do it. And you are a steward of that gender that God has, again, assigned to you. Now, Eve was the first woman, and we've read that here in, in Genesis. That's the truth of Scripture. She's called a woman because she's taken out of the man. And by the way, look at chapter 5. Just turn, turn to your right there, a couple chapters, chapter 5. And look at the language when Adam and Eve have uh, another child. Of course, we know that they have Cain and Abel, and then they have Seth. So in chapter 5, verse 1, this is the book of the genealogy of Adam. I love that word genealogy. Uh, keep that in mind. In the day that God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. You are the likeness and image of God. He created them male and female, which chapter 1 and verse 26 and 27 says, man and woman, we're all made in God's image. But notice this, he blessed them and called them mankind. This is the human race. This is mankind. Now, interestingly, we find he also made animals male and female, but they're not mankind, and neither are they in God's image. But we are as mankind. And Adam lived 130 years and begat a son, notice, in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. So every time a new child is conceived, that child, male or female, is also in the image of God by God's will, by God's design, and for God's purpose. So God made mothers. That's what he did. He made the first one out of the ground because she didn't have a mother, you know, so she had to be made out of Eve. 
but the rest of us uh, have had a mother, and every other mother's had a mother, and a mother is a woman. Unique, gifted, designed especially for that role, specially made, by the way, to be propagators of the race. It may be that Adam uh, was supposed to, uh, to till the ground and till the earth, and Eve is supposed to fill the earth. And basically every other human being that has come along since that day has come along through a mother and through this process that God made. You are the generator of the race, the generator of the generations, and that's what women are. So to say a, wo a mother is a woman is exactly what God says and how God made it and how God intended. If you are a female or a mother or both, uh, this is what God wants for you. So notice, secondly, a, a mother is a daughter. Now, I'm, I, I'm going away from evil here to every other woman that has existed, every other mother who has existed. Guess what? You had a mother. <laughs> you, you are a mother, but you had a mother. And you never forget that. You always remember your mother, whether she's still here or not. So if I say a, a mother is a woman who has a creator, I would say a mother is a daughter who has a mother. The only exception was Eve, of course. Everyone else has had uh, a mother. Now, you received your womanhood from another mother. She was a mother, just like now you are. You received your womanhood from her. You received your very life from her. Notice if you're still in these early chapters uh, of Genesis, uh, chapter, chapter uh, 5 again, and verse 4 this time. I'll read one more verse farther there. After he begat Seth, the days of Adam were 800 years. He begat sons and what? Daughters. Adam and Eve had daughters. And guess who their mother was? <laughs> their mother was Eve, right? Of course, that's true. So uh, there are no exceptions to that. Now, it's interesting as you go over to chapter 4, back to chapter 4, I should say, and look at one of the children of Adam and Eve, who is Cain, though he killed his brother Abel. But look at Cain in verse 17 of chapter 4. Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Enoch. How many times in my ministry have I gotten the question, where did Cain get his wife, right? I mean, we think about Adam and Eve, and we think about Cain and Abel, and even Enoch, and somebody says, well, wait a minute, Cain married his wife, where did she come from? Obviously, this was his sister, and this was a daughter of Adam and Eve, and they married and had children, which is my point. A mother is a daughter also, so this mother of uh, the wife of Cain is also the daughter of Eve. Now, let me put this footnote in here then. Early in the scriptures, these things were not forbidden. As a matter of fact, they were necessary for the propagation of the race. They obviously had to marry one another and have children. But as the biblical timeline goes on, these things then become prohibited as they are unnecessary. And so by the time we get to the giving of the law, for example, under Moses, uh, this would be forbidden, and it was forbidden and still is, uh, but at that time it was necessary, so they had to do it. So after 
Eve's creation, all of us have godly mothers. I want to show you something then along that line, and that is in Exodus chapter 2. So go with me to your right up to the book of Exodus when, in the days of Moses. As I'm saying all of these things, folks, I'm looking at your faces, and you're saying to me as good godly people, What's new here, folks? <laughs> you know, have we talked about anything that's new? I'm just saying, in our world today, I, I think we are talking about things that are new, at least to some people. Here's a little genealogical study that I think is fun to do. Did, did Moses have a mother? Why are you not shaking your head like I'm going to contradict that or something? Of course he did. So... Chapter 2 of Exodus, a man of the house of Levi went and took as a wife the daughter of Levi. Uh, there's a wife who's going to be a mother who's also a daughter, right? And when she conceived and bore a son, she saw that he was a beautiful child and hid him three months. Well, we find out in verse 10 that they're going to call his name Moses because he's taken out of the water. And so Moses' mother, do you know what, do you, do you remember what her name was? Actually, we don't have her name until chapter 6. When we get to chapter 6, we find out uh, her name is Jochebed. Now, uh, also we find out, by the way, in chapter 6, if you're, if you're looking there, that his father's name is Amram. So here's a man named Amram and a woman named Jochebed. Those are good names for your new babies if you're still looking for, for children's names and everything. No, no problem with that. And I, I want you to, to notice something else in chapter 2, and that is that Moses has a sister. Verse 4. Now, when the, Moses has to be put in the little ark of bulrushes and put in the water, his sister stood far off to know what would be done to him. Oh, so there's a sister, there's a daughter here to, uh, to Amran and Jochebed. And in verse 7, it says again, then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, and you know the story, uh, I know a woman that will take care of this baby, and Moses was brought back to Jochebed, to his own mother. Well, here's an interesting thing from Exodus 6, where we read a minute ago or looked a minute ago. Okay, Levi has a son named Kohath. Kohath, K-O-H-A-T-H, is a very famous priest in the order of Levi. And uh, so, so he's very important in these early days of Israel. And he had a son, and what is his son's name? Amram. So... Moses' father had a direct line to the priesthood and, all, and directly back to Levi. And then in verse 20 of Exodus 6, it says, Amran took for himself Jochebed, <laughs> so here's the mother, his father's sister. He married his aunt. Now again, these things were fading away until God made prohibition to these things, but they still happen in these ways uh, in these closed societies. And so Jochebed, it says, bore him Aaron and Moses, and we also know Miriam. We know the sister's name was Miriam, 
later in chapter 15 when Miriam and Moses sing a song about the deliverance through the Red Sea. Now, are you happy yet? Or have we learned yet that a mother has a daughter? Let me follow this genealogy just a little bit farther. There's an early historian named Josephus, which we often refer to from the first century, a Jewish historian that gives us a lot of good information uh, that isn't in the Bible itself, but a lot of history and, and other things. Josephus says that Miriam, the sister of Moses, the daughter of Jochebed, married her, H-U-R. Do you remember that name, her? Well, in Exodus chapter 17, the Israelites go out to war against the Amalekites, and Moses is up on a hill, and when Moses keeps his hands up, they are winning the battle, and when Moses gets tired and drops his hands, then the Amalekites start to win. So Aaron and Hur hold up Moses' arms so that he, they win the battle throughout the day. That's, according to Josephus, Miriam's uh, husband who does this. And then we find out through Josephus that their grandson is named Bezalel. And who is Bezalel? Bezalel is that architect that basically designed all the things that were built in the tabernacle. I think it's pretty fascinating. I, you know, I, you know to, uh, I look back at my family tree, and there's a thief, and there's a guy who was, uh, you know, uh, put out of town and all of that. But, man, these, this, this genealogy, that's great. So God made daughters so they can be mothers, and mothers are always daughters too. And moms, you're here for a purpose. Jochebed was there for a reason. Miriam was there for a reason. And you are here for a reason. And their purpose was to carry on the generations, that genealogy. I want to repeat that word over and over. These are the generations that we have. You are the second or third or maybe a first generation. You have a mother, a grandmother, a great-grandmother, and so forth. All of us do. We wouldn't be here without them. And those generations carry out God's purpose in us, man or women, men or women, for the next generations to come so that the name of God and the glory of God and the gospel of God continue on into the next generations. So two things I've said. A mother is a woman who has a creator. A mother is a daughter who has a mother. Number three, a mother is a wife who has a husband. Now, this is the way God intended it. I realize that not every a woman who has born a child has been married or has a husband. I understand that. And sometimes in sad situations, I understand that too. All I'm saying is, this is the way God designed it. This is the way he made the first marriage. This is the way he intends for every uh, child to be born to a mother, and that is to have a husband. Let me, let me put this footnote in there, and I'm, try, I'm trying to be as basic here as I can. There is a gift of singleness mentioned in the Bible. And some people, men and women, remain single all their lives according to the will of God. As a matter of fact, it's a great gift, and it's a very difficult gift to take upon oneself as God's will, but it's there very plainly. After all, was Jesus married? No. 
Was Paul married? May have been, but not that we know of. So uh, that is a gift from God I don't discount. But we're talking about Mother's Day today. So we're talking about uh, moms uh, who, of course, were married. Now, in God's will, a mother is married to a man who is or should be her husband. Okay, we know that. And God's design for a man and a woman doesn't fail. If I may say it this way, intercourse between a man and a woman is going to produce a boy or a girl, married or unmarried, because that's the way God made us. You can't, you can't avoid that. That is, that is what happens uh, and how the race is propagated. So we know that happens. Whether it's done properly or improperly, the biology will work, and that will happen. And so God encourages us, of course, to do that in the proper way and in marriage with a husband and wife. Now, your mother then has all the God-given characteristics of a daughter, a wife, and a mother. You look at her, and she wore three big hats, right? And you wear three big hats, I hope. She was a daughter. And even though you celebrate her as your mother, she had a mother, and she had to be a good daughter. She had to grow up as a daughter. She had to honor her mother, too, the same as you do to her. She is a wife. And so in a home, in a marriage, she had to live with that man, and she had to be the, the wife and the mother that God wants her to be as he's trying to be the man that God wants him to be. And now she's a mother, and that's your mother. This is pretty simple, isn't it? But it's kind of fun to talk about these kinds of things. Her covenant was with her husband for life. Marriage is a covenant. It's not a contract. It's not a sacrament. It's not even just a legal document. It is a covenant between him, her, and God. And so this mother of yours is trying to keep that covenant. I thought Abraham married Sarah. And they had Isaac. And then we find Isaac choosing Rebekah. And Isaac and Rebekah have Jacob. And Jacob chooses Rachel. And the two of them have Joseph. And the line is preserved. And God's generations carry on right down to Moses and uh, eventually farther than that. As a matter of fact, here's Rahab, a, a, a woman in a profession she shouldn't be in. But God is always gracious. God is always forgiven. Forgiving God, God can take anyone that started out in the wrong way and forgive and cleanse and bring that person back into the, to the uh, will and glory of God. And so she marries, Rahab marries a man named Salmon. And Salmon marries, uh, or they marry, and they have a child named Boaz. And Boaz marries a young Gentile girl named Ruth. And we have a book of the Bible that way. And Ruth and Boaz then, over a, a couple generations, have a son named Jesse, and Jesse and his wife have a son named David, King David. Out of that, God's graciousness bringing that girl into this, this royal line in the, in the history of Israel. The generations of believers continue through this. So, whether 
it's a husband and wife and a proper relationship, or should I put this footnote in there? Uh, some of you are widows, and a mother becomes a widow, a daughter of whose mother's already gone. Some are divorced and have to live alone because of that. Some are single moms, maybe uh, uh, through tragic circumstances. But in those cases, a, a mom, a wife, has to pick up all of those hats. And I think she becomes super mom, super woman, in order to live in those kind of situations as uh, by herself and trying to raise children and so forth. So a mother is a wife. And I'm going to say, lastly, a mother is a mother. That's the most profound of all the four statements that I've made here uh, this morning. A mother is a mother who has a daughter or a son or both. Praise the Lord for, for that, right? I'll put another footnote in here. Adoption is a wonderful love that God has put in some people's hearts to do. When one person fails as a mother and that poor child is then motherless or fatherless, then there's, God has put in, in some people's hearts the ability to take that child and make that child her own, a mother making that child her own. That's a special gift, too. That's a wonderful thing. And after all, did not God adopt you as his son? Didn't he in his grace pick up you lost in this world, a child of the devil himself, and adopt you into his, into his family? Of course he did. So there's a special place for that. Well, a mother is a mother, and she was designed for this by God. Physically, with physical characteristics of a woman and not a man. And I will say again, you never can change that. You can mutilate it. You can malign it. You can call it something else. You will never change that fact of how God made you. That's what you are, a woman. A mother has a certain temperament. Again, a temperament that a father does not have, and praise the Lord for that. You know, that those two people coming together are compliments, and they need one another. And a man needs that temperament of a woman, and that woman needs the temperament of a man. She has certain instincts that he does not have, and he has that she does not have. This is why God designed it this way, made it that way. A mother has, a, mother has a protectionist attitude. We say a mama bear often, right? And, uh, you know, you, you've uh, seen those pictures of a, uh, getting in the somebody getting in the way or between uh, a mama grizzly and her little cubs, you know, you don't want to be uh, in between that, do you? And neither do you want to be between a mother and her offspring, her son or her daughter, because there's that motherly instinct of protection that she has, and praise the Lord for that. So she naturally fulfills this by God's nature. She brought you into this world in a near-death experience. She brought you into this world in a way that God designed and God made her to do, and that's what she has to do, but it's in pain and it's dangerous, and yet she went through that for you. She was totally exhausted for five years because you gave her no sleep, and she needed, and that, you know, you needed to eat round the clock like some of you still do, 
And she did it for five years, and some of you for 20 years. And maybe some of you, she's still doing it. Totally exhausted herself for you. And she spent and was spent in those growing up years for you. She sacrificed having things she could have had otherwise, but she didn't have them for you. And she worked for you. And she made that sacrifice that other people say, I will never do. I never want to make that sacrifice. Your mother did. And it wasn't easy, regardless of the circumstances. It wasn't easy. And you know what I say? My mother passed away 22 years ago. She passed away thinking of you. That's what happens when they leave this world, moms and dads. You think about those children. How are they going to be? Who's going to take care of them? Will they, go, will they go on serving you, Lord, when I'm gone? She thought of you in those last times. So you, we, are the next generation. We are, she was the generator, and we're the generation. And we're going to carry on what she sacrificed and what she did to these next generations. And if she worried about you, which she needed to do, and it was right for her to worry about you, then let's carry it on properly. Some things never change, though Satan and sin have distorted and corrupted those things. But God's creation will always include mothers and fathers and children. And praise the Lord for that. So use it properly. Respect it properly, honor it properly, and pass it on to the next generations properly, the way God wants you to do. All right, stand with me if you will. You've never heard more simple words in an outline than what you heard this morning. And evidently to our generation, words that are badly needed. And we as God's people ought to then carry on the truth in these matters to the day and age in which we live. Let's go to him in prayer, and let's ask his blessing now as we think about these things and, and sing a song of invitation. Father, we thank you for the plain words of your scripture. We thank you, Father, for making mankind, men and women, men and women who marry, men and women who reproduce, generations of them that have passed down to us all of these good things, but specifically faith in Jesus Christ, that we might go and rejoin them one day in a place called heaven thank you for these things. Father, make us faithful. Make us good stewards of how you made us. Make us good stewards of your, of, of your image and your will in our lives. And I pray, Father, we would pass on uh, this to the coming generations. Now, bless us as we sing. We think about these things. We have thankfulness in our hearts and also burdens in our hearts. So bless us, Father. May we respond to you in our minds and hearts in every way that you want us to. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We sing a song of invitation. Our invitation is open. As we sing, I'm always at the front, and even after our service is closed, I'm still here if you need to, some help from God's Word about what God has laid on your heart. You respond the way He wants as Gordon comes and leads us.